Hello, everybody. This is Dan Woods, and we're here at the Designing Enterprise Platforms podcast. This podcast is a service of Early Adopter Research. I am Principal Analyst and Founder of Early Adopter Research, and today we're talking with Stephen Mee, CEO of Aluxio. Would you say hello, Stephen? Hello, everyone, and thank you, Dan, for having me on the show. I think this is going to be a really fun uh, podcast because we're going to go over uh, some central issues that your product uh, addresses. And so by way of background, I want to just explain what Aluxio is and then explain where it's, it comes from and then the issues that it's, it's going to be uh, addressing. Now, Aluxio is a company that comes out of the AMP lab at UC Berkeley. This is the place that brought us Spark and many other projects for processing data at scale. If you go to the AMP Lab site, you'll see that they have a, a diagram of the stack that all of the projects has been created into. And today we're going to be talking about uh, an issue about separating the storage from compute engines uh, from the, the actual compute engines themselves. So the idea is that in the cloud, you've had increasingly amounts of possibilities of, of storing stuff in object storage and then having a variety of different compute engines apply to that storage. And then now the problem is that you may have that storage all over the place. Some of that storage may be on uh, something like S3. Some of it may be on premise. Some of it may be in another cloud. Some of it may be all over the place. And the solution that Aluxio proposes to this challenge is what it calls storage orchestration. Now, the problem with this term is that I don't think it really describes what's happening in very much detail. You know, and this is often the case when a technology breaks new ground. You know, in my view, what Aluxio is doing is part of a larger challenge facing most companies who are processing data at scale, and that is how to understand the role of object storage in this new data supply chain. So anyway, to understand Alexio storage orchestration and the problems it's going to address, let's look at what's changed and how new solutions were created. And Stephen, you were present and observing uh, all through the evolution of Hadoop and Spark. And uh, so what I want to do right now is just uh, go over, you know, that, that kind of archaeology of the technology uh, to explain this. Uh, now, I'm assuming you have well-developed opinions about how the data infrastructure and the problems have uh, proceeded since we since Hadoop really inaugurated the big data era. Yes, yes, uh, I'm glad to share some perspective of how it's evolved very quickly in the uh, the past few years as it relates to uh, Hadoop. Originally, uh, was about MapReduce, and uh, the original concept was to co-locate uh, the compute and storage into one uh, worker node. And that could be used on uh, uh, commodity hardware and scaled out uh, infinitely. Uh, and uh, there's new frameworks that came to that where it moved from uh, you know, MapReduce into Hive and there's Spark and there's these new data-driven application frameworks that are coming out every uh, three to five years. and um, what that's what's happening is that with the event of uh, advent of, of cloud, we're now in the second uh, decade. Uh, uh, there's uh, it's easy to get compute in in the cloud. Uh, however, the data uh, storage is an area that uh, has to either be moved or accessed in a different way. And uh, so we we're helping with uh, the hybrid cloud analytics, and we call that data orchestration. Uh, but as we get back to the separation. 
uh, first it was co-located with the compute and storage. And um, what that means is that, yes, you can farm out all the, the, the work and then bring that all back together. Uh, however, then to scale that cluster, uh, it's scaled across two parameters. One is the amount of compute you need to do or the amount of uh, storage you have. And uh, uh, that starts to become unwieldy as typically uh, uh, organizations found that one of those parameters were, were, were much more uh, predominant than the, the other. Most of the people we talk to are fairly compute bound. And so uh, the, the new architectures that are evolving are to have a separate cluster or a separate tier of the, the compute, which could be like Spark or uh, uh, Presto or the, the, the Starburst version of Presto and uh, uh, a separate storage tier. And that could still be HDFS or that could evolve into an object store. So that's some of the, the, uh, the direction that uh, many companies have uh, started to move in. And the cloud now lets you separate uh, that compute or bring it all together as separate compute and storage in the cloud. Does that help? Well, yeah, and, and I guess what I'd like to get to is like the, the problem that we have now in terms of, of the, the sort of mess that's been created. Because yeah. the way I think of this is that Hadoop's biggest victory was perhaps HDFS. You know, and HDFS provided a, a way to store huge amounts of data in a scalable file system based on commodity hardware. Now, Hadoop's way of processing that data, MAPR, and later YARN, they were not great gifts to, you know, the ease of programming at all. They, were, they allowed it to create these type of MapReduce programs at all, which was a victory. But was it easy to do so? No, it wasn't. And so then... Uh, the way I see what Spark achieved is creating a platform that could sit on top of a large amount of data and was designed as an application development platform. And so Spark then abstracted the storage using the RDD concept. Mm -hmm. So you could pull data in to these RDDs inside Spark. Spark had three or four different uh, uh, programming environments, you know, whether it was the SQL or the, I think it was a Python environment and there was a graph environment and there's, you know, an R environment and there's, a, uh, there must be even more now. And you could program against the same data in the RDDs and you could have one workload do something, leave it in an RDD, another workload, pick it up. So the ability to pipeline through all these different computer frameworks was really, really excellent. Now, it seems to me we've mapped that world into the world of the cloud. Now we have the need for an RDD layer that spans all the storage we could possibly get to. And then we have the compute engines you mentioned already, whether it's you know, Redshift or, or Snowflake or Presto or any of the things that are in the cloud. What we need is the equivalent of that RDD layer so that you can process a workload, let it go, have its intermediate form then be picked up by another uh, compute engine, et cetera. And as far, the, the best way that I've gotten to understand Aluxio to me is it recreates that RDD layer in an abstract way with some limitations, uh, you know, in the cloud. Um, how's that for a, getting us into the ballpark of what Aluxio does? I think that's a, uh, that's a good ballpark uh, way to talk about it. Uh, and it, it really is not about the single stack in the data center uh, it's, a, it's an evolution that I think all 
uh, data-driven organizations are having to deal with, which are how do you have the multiple frameworks, uh, uh, not just Spark and, and MapReduce, but uh, there's ones being created every few years. And, and then also the uh, organization's desire to have uh, multiple clouds, perhaps, uh, to have less uh, lock-in from one cloud. And so uh, that separation of the, the compute happens in, in different places, and the storage may be in different places, but the thing that brings it all together is what we call the data orchestration layer. And uh, that, that's what uh, uh, was the original uh, 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 creation from the Berkeley AMP Lab. Now, the way I understand what data orchestration does is that it brings together from an arbitrary net set of sources uh, a bunch of data into a file system sort of construct that's in memory. Is that the first part of it? That's correct. It, it, uh, it does. You, you have, so Alexio is a distributed system that uh, is a tier where you mount the different data sources you have. This can be in different clouds or on-prem. And it has a unified, a unified uh, uh, namespace, so it's a virtual file system for that. And uh, it can be put into the, the memory of those uh, uh, instances or it can also be, it has intelligent tiering down to uh, SSDs or the, the disk and uh, uh, allows the, the hot data or the active data to be brought closer to the compute framers. And, and that is the, the very unique uh, differentiator for what data orchestration does. And, and, and yeah, go ahead. Now, now is the point of this to be able to transform the data on the way into uh, Aluxia, or is the are you just basically bringing data from multiple sources, or you know is there a, is there an integration story here as well? So uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, today the the mounting of those different data sources and bringing the active data sets uh, into Aluxia is is what uh, the system does today. Uh, uh, we are adding more uh, features and capability to do the transform along the way. And, and that's something that we're excited to be talking about in the future. Got it. So, so the, the person that wants this is somebody that has uh, a, a compute engine or a variety of compute engines sitting in one place, a bunch of data sitting in many different places, and they want to bring what's relevant together into a essentially a, a, a file system so that they can deal with it as if it were right there local. That's correct. And it doesn't have to be many places. It could be two places. It could be uh, one framework or it could be a couple frameworks. And we're seeing folks that are just starting there to solve their, their uh, locality and access uh, challenges and uh, improve the performance along the way. Uh, and then we see them continuing to add more as the organization grows from there. But essentially, yes, any data uh, can be from any place and makes that local uh, and available to those uh, the application uh, data-driven applications. And then the, the paradigm for how this would work in, say, a, a pipeline would be similar to the way things worked in, in, back in HDFS or, or in the RDD world. And that is a bunch of data comes in, it gets accessed by a compute engine, then new data sets get created, while those data sets are in Alexio, those data sets are read-write. 
but but the ones that uh, uh, it's not intended that you write back to the source from of the of the orchestrated data. You are writing a new data set back to some other source, and that becomes you know the the, the result of the the processing. So, uh, so first of all, the Alexio system is good for read-heavy workloads, uh, and it, it, it has writes capability as well. And so, yes, the, the uh, sources are, are mounted in, and uh, it then creates a catalog of all the metadata for, for those systems. And so depending on the type of workload there is, the, uh, it'll pull that data the first time, brings it into the, the Alexio tier, and uh, it'll maintain that uh, and intermediate result sets there as needed. And, and that is, is how the data gets localized. And the result is uh, much better performance and the, the, you don't need to now uh, copy data to different locations and, and maintain those separate copies. But, in, but you're not intending to write back to the original sources, that, correct? It, uh, it, it will write back if, if that's what's required, and it'll do an asynchronous write back. Uh, typically, is, is what we found is, is, is uh, a feature that is beneficial because uh, you may want to write it back to uh, the same location or a different location. We have uh, some folks that will take an HDFS uh, uh, data set, bring it into the cloud with Alexio, write it back into an S3 bucket in the cloud. Uh, this now uh, lets those users uh, uh, run their, their uh, data-driven apps on the on-prem HDFS uh, uh, and then uh, run that as if it's local uh, and then over time migrate it to an S3 or GCS type of uh, uh, environment. But the idea is that most of the workloads you're doing now, you're not writing back to the source files, right? Uh, that, that's, I'd say that uh, it depends. Uh, again, it's read heavy with some write capability and it can do asynchronous writes and it could be writing a different file or back to the original if that's what they're looking for. Right, but the way, the way I understand it is that most of the use cases I've talked to Deepti about, and Deepti is the product yeah. marketer, is, is are, you're writing new data sets that are results of, of, of assembling all this data. That's, that's what's coming out of it. Yeah. Okay, so now the, the other analogy I think that's reasonable to make between this is the analogy between the Python Pandas project uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, what Eluxio is doing. What, what Pandas is doing inside a, a set of Python programs, creating a shareable uh, uh, representation of a data set that can be accessed by multiple processes, it's, it's, it's similar to what uh, Eluxio is doing on a larger scale for larger amounts of data and a more abstract and multi heterogeneous set of compute engines. That's right. We really believe in the, the uh, that the world will be moving toward hybrid and then multi-cloud, and, and data will be heterogeneous uh, as such. And uh, uh, we're building an abstraction for all the different types of data and uh, run different uh, workloads on top of that and, and handle the, the translation of the APIs. So uh, we think it's a pretty exciting open source project, and we encourage people to join. and and uh, try it out. So now, what do you think the sweet spot is right now for commercial adoption of Eluxio? Yeah, so like most uh, commercial uh, companies that are backing open source projects, uh, uh, when uh, companies run into more 
mission critical uh, use cases that they uh, require guaranteed SLAs for from a support perspective, uh, that would be a sweet spot for Alexio. Another uh, item is if they need some of the uh, differentiated enterprise only features, uh, and those are uh, features that we create for the enterprise customers. So, uh, uh, but that said, uh, what, what, what kind of like, what kind of processing use cases are people coming to Alexio and finding are helped by it? Because, you know, you, you can yeah. do a lot of this stuff brute force. If you're just having to move one file every day from HDFS to S3, process it on S3, and then put an output on, you know, uh, on S3, you know, that's not a big problem. You know, you can do that. But what are the things you can do with Alexio that people are finding? Oh, my gosh, I'm so happy I don't have to do this anymore, I can use Alexio for it. But I, this is another way of asking, what is the leverage that, that, that Alexio provides and to whom? Yeah, once you have an, an abstraction, then you can achieve the real data-driven uh, goals of the organization. What I mean by that is that the data is now available wherever it is to your compute frameworks. And so uh, it's not just the one job on the on-prem Hadoop that you wanna run in the cloud, it's the the many different jobs on, on multiple Hadoop uh, clusters, and, and those can all be now enabled. Uh, and the end goal of all this is to have more insights or to train models better. And uh, we believe that having the data, uh, having more data to train models, having uh, the access to more data for uh, analysts and BI use cases are, are the, what the, it's the value of that we, we help in that, that environment. So the idea is that the more distributed data repositories that have valuable data in them, and the more those repositories are distributed across multiple clouds, and the more users you have with the more different compute engines that want to get at collections of those data that are also distributed across all of those repositories, the more you would need a Luxio. That's correct, and uh, Dan, I understand that many of your listeners have, have uh, external-facing uh, uh, products, and in that case, uh, those products are gonna be much more data-driven too, and it needs to be, have a consistent level of, of, of uh, user experience, consistent level of performance, and a layer like Alexio uh, provides that to those folks, uh, um, uh, making it such that S3 performance is, is abstracted, uh, as well as a hybrid or, or WAN uh, uh, data that's across a WAN line. Got it. So the other aspect of it is in addition to the collecting and orchestrating data from many sources, you're also providing a much higher level of performance that can be tuned to the needs of the SLA, meaning the data can be tiered and having most of it in memory or most of it in, you know, warm storage or, or whatever. So you're, you're able to actually deliver a consistent performance as well. That, that's exactly right. Sometimes uh, people are finding that it may change in the cloud. The, the, the object store wasn't necessarily designed for uh, uh, you know, these types of workloads, especially metadata operations tend to be quite uh, expensive. And so uh, Alexio uh, addresses that uh, and makes that all consistent. And it's really required when you want to have a great external facing product experience. Now, how did this come, Vinny, come about? I mean, I, I understand from reading about it that the, the original project was called Tachyon, and then eventually it became a company, you know, a commercialized company called Alexio. What, what, is the, uh, what was the kind of moment that you realized that this, was, this could be something like, 
you know, Databricks has become? Yeah, so uh, first of all, uh, I'm not the, the founder. Uh, uh, our founder and, and CTO, H.Y. Uh, Lee, he, uh, this was his research project at uh, the Berkeley AMP Lab. Uh, at a time when, as you mentioned, a, a large amount of innovation was happening for distributed systems. And so uh, three big projects came out of there. Spark uh, uh, was one. Uh, another was uh, Mesos for containers and uh, Tachyon for the data. And so uh, what his research was about, uh, looking at the, the future of heterogeneous frameworks, heterogeneous data, and how that, uh, if we create a data-driven world, that would be a new layer would need to exist. And so uh, that's what he uh, ended up uh, creating, made an open source project. It's all Apache 2.0 based. And then uh, uh, ended up uh, creating the company Alexio to support the uh, continued development of, of the open source uh, uh, project, as well as the commercialization of that. So uh, I think it's got great pedigree coming from uh, the AMP Lab and a pretty exciting project. Uh, and we're thank very thankful for the, uh, the amount of committers we have and, and community members that are out there. So now you've been watching, I'm sure with great interest, all of the different things that have been going on in the open source world related to the use of open source projects to create commercial services on cloud platforms. And so some of those uh, uh, battles have provoked you know, bitter resentment. Uh, where the open source has just been essentially appropriated by a cloud vendor to create a service, uh, and then the, the open source community has been uh, felt ill-used and that their efforts were just uh, appropriated. Uh, in other uh, ways, uh, there's, there's companies that have an open source version, and then the cloud vendor, uh, like right. Amazon, creates something that's commercial version of Elasticsearch. But the Elasticsearch project seems to be going along very well, and the company itself is saying, look, there's plenty of Elasticsearch for everybody, and we have no problem defending uh, the quality of our offering, uh, uh, and uh, you know, the more the merrier. And then there's other companies like uh, MongoDB who've you know, yeah. made, a, made a license that have essentially prevented the exploitation in those uh, following ways, or those preceding ways, by a, a large cloud vendor. And so, and then there's, there's a variety of other kind of bizarre uh, things you've, we've seen, such as the commercializing entity of Redis, you know, Redis Labs, you know, uh, uh, making changes that were very, that were very, uh, seemed very hostile to the uh, Redis community. And so it's, it's just a very complicated and interesting world these days. How are you going to navigate this world and protect yourself from some of the worst case scenarios? Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, a fair characterization. I've, I've found it very interesting uh, how the public perception has uh, shifted over time, and uh, how uh, you know I think Amazon is is viewed as the predator, and and uh, Google is viewed as the the, the good guy. Um, it, it's quite interesting, and I've been involved in open source uh, uh, for for a number of years. It's my third open source company. Uh, that I've been uh, working for. And so uh, my, my take is that uh, uh, open source is, is good. It's, it's meant for uh, the community and uh, it's meant for uh, people to use it in a free and permissible way. That's why we uh, have the Apache 2.0 license. 
and uh, we believe in that. That that's uh, really critical uh, to to you know uh, provide that to um, the community. And it's a separate question how you monetize that. And and so uh, if people create a, a, a external facing service for uh, Alexio off of the open source. That is the community built, and we were a big part of that community. We drive most of the commits. So it's, uh, uh, we're we're a different type of uh, open source project than say a community backed open source projects, but uh, we're really excited to see that. And uh, a number of cloud uh, companies uh, have done that, uh, uh, not Amazon or Google, uh, but uh, uh, Tencent Cloud, for example, has has done that too. We think that's great for adoption. I mean, that's that's positive, and that that grows the amount of usage. It helps the product, uh, the project uh, uh, grow as well. And uh, quite frankly, they they get involved with the project too. So uh, we welcome that. The monetization part is an area where uh, we look at uh, uh, what are the, the the target markets that we have. What are the, the types of companies that that need uh, additional uh, enterprise features or additional support that is uh, above and beyond what a community can offer. And, and that's uh, uh, our model. And, and so uh, I just kind of smile at some of the, the uh, I think it's been made out to be the, the, the bad guy versus the, the little good guys. Um, and uh, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And if, if you look at the different projects and what they're doing, uh, sometimes they don't view the usage of the open source project as, a, as good at option. Uh, and that's that's what we do, uh, and that's uh, that's how we view it. That said, we like what Google's doing. Uh, Google Cloud has really embraced the uh, uh, open source projects, uh, the companies behind them, uh, and uh, you know, we think that that's a great model uh, to work by. And uh, we hope to uh, be there in the very new future too. Got it. And so, and then in terms of the commercialization and monetization model, this is essentially going to be like an open core sort of model where you have a addition that is fully functional uh, and you know performant, but then you surround that with enterprise features that are available for an, uh, a commercial license. That's correct. So yeah, roughly it's called open core. And so we, we make sure that our open source project is, is useful and can be deployed in production. We have uh, many, many deployments. Uh, seven out of the top 10 uh, internet companies in the world use uh, uh, Luxio in production for free. And uh, we think that's great for the community. And then, uh, but not every company has the type of, of uh, 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 technical expertise to run and maintain and commit back to. Uh, and be involved with the community for uh, that that those types of companies do, and so uh, for those companies, uh, we offer uh, guaranteed SLA type support as well as uh, a hardened enterprise version that has enterprise features uh, for that that group of people. What and kind so, of uh, what are some of the enterprise features that are in that uh, that that upgrade pricing? Yep, those are uh, uh, typically in the security area. So uh, uh, different types of authentication, uh, uh, as well as uh, different uh, approaches for uh, partitioning uh, the, the data that uh, enterprises uh, uh, have asked us for and, and are comfortable uh, getting both the support as well as those, those types of security features. So um, uh, that, that's what it is today. 
What, uh, give me an example of what you mean by partitioning the data. Yeah, so there's a feature in our uh, uh, 2.0 release. So we're really excited about it. It's, uh, it's cluster partitioning. And that, that feature allows you to have multiple frameworks uh, work in a uh, separated way because some uh, uh, companies have asked not to have the, the, the Luxio uh, data tier uh, to commingle different uh, uh, data, uh, uh, different data sources. Got it. Okay. And so um, when, when you uh, see the future of the cloud moving forward, you know, it's really interesting to see how, uh, you know, Google is, uh, is aligning itself uh, as a, a data platform sort of cloud. You know, Amazon seems to be this generic, you know, utility uh, uh, computing sort of cloud with lots and lots of different services. And Microsoft seems to be you know, uh, creating a, a very enterprise-focused, you know, cloud. Um, do you, how do you see the, you know, the, 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 the way forward with all of these different clouds and how will Alexio fit in and play with all of them? Yeah, so uh, uh, we think that uh, cloud is, is a key part of why data orchestration is seeing a big resurgence. Uh, um, you know, first uh, you look at, a lot of the data is in uh, silos or data lakes in an on-prem data center or multiple data centers. And uh, what's happening is that um, uh, more and more data is being generated that may be uh, in the cloud uh, and might land in S3 buckets or other object stores. Uh, it might, add, uh, uh, might land in the data center as well. And so uh, depending on the organization's uh, overall cloud strategy, they're gonna need to find a way to, to uh, have the data available wherever it may be located. Now, uh, the alternative is uh, uh, in essence trying to copy all the data to, to a single place. And, and uh, uh, we find that uh, uh, that approach of the Consolidated centralized data lake is uh, it, it works for some but not for all and uh, most uh, organizations will be siloed across their their uh, uh, their BU uh, boundaries also and so uh, that's that's why we're, we're seeing this growth of of hybrid cloud or or need multiple clouds as you said there is somewhat of a specialized cloud uh, approach that uh, each of the uh, uh, major players are are, uh, approach, are using to get to the market. And so uh, we want to side on the organizations that are dealing with that. And I mentioned lock-in earlier on. Uh, uh, you know, we think that it's, it's, it's great that there's competition between the cloud vendors and to keep everyone uh, to have credible threat, you want to be able to have uh, not only uh, applications running in different uh, locations, but also your data in, uh, available regardless of what cloud it's, it's uh, tied up in today. And so that's where the Luxio layer is, is really a, uh, uh, provides uh, that capability. And uh, not only the, all the benefits that we talked about for uh, being data driven uh, and, and not allowing applications uh, to have the data from wherever they are, but it gives an organization the, the less lock-in. And uh, we think that's, that's pretty exciting for uh, the multi-cloud world that will end up happening over the next uh, you know, five, three to five, uh, 10 years. Uh, we think multi-cloud is, is a real reality. Cool. So then 
What is the coolest use case that you guys have seen of Eluxio? Yeah, I'll, I'll go to one that I, I think is uh, uh, pretty exciting to, to me, which is uh, we had a, a large financial company that uh, had on-prem uh, data in a big Hadouplic, and uh, they wanted to run a large amount of, of uh, Spark workloads against it to train some of their models. and. Uh, that uh, uh, they couldn't necessarily just buy more uh, uh, you know, s compute nodes on-prem. Uh, uh, they, and they also didn't necessarily need to have it all running all the, all the time. So the a cloud computing way made a lot of sense to them. Uh, that said, they, may, they weren't ready to necessarily copy all the data into the cloud and then run their compute there. Uh, and, and that's for a few reasons. Some was uh, uh, data sovereignty, data, data governance reasons. Uh, and so they were able to uh, uh, get comfortable with running their compute with Alexio in the compute nodes and having uh, that run ephemerally with thousands of, of jobs running uh, in the cloud and it's uh, accessing the on-prem data. Uh, they happen to use a, a non-persisted mode of Alexio and that got them very comfortable. And the end result was they were able to create their models four times faster, and, and uh, uh, that was very meaningful for their business. So we think that, that hybrid uh, approach to doing analytics, uh, uh, starting to adopt the cloud with uh, 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 using the compute in the cloud, using Alexio to access that data and make it perform, uh, and make it local, and then mounting an S3 or, or GCS uh, object store to start to migrate is uh, the, the way people are going to be using Alexio in, 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 uh, uh, in a common way. And it's so, and the, 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 the interesting thing about that last point you made is that it allows you to do a migration strategy as gradually as you want. You can, you, exactly can, right. you, can, you can move some of the data to the cloud, some of it on-premise, and, and, and you can access it as if it's all just one place, and then eventually it all becomes wherever you want it to be. That, that's, uh, that's exactly right. So with our 2.0 release that happened uh, just early this month, uh, June 10th, we announced the ability to do policy-based uh, 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 movement of the data. And so now you can move it into uh, you know, on-prem to cloud, vice versa, and do that in a, in a way that is gradual. So you're online while you're doing all this. And, and so what, what's really interesting is that there's different um, uh, tiers of data uh, and based on policy, you can now uh, uh, move that around. And in addition, you may have data that's very hot that you want to be pinned to all of your, your worker nodes. Well, in that case, you can uh, run a policy, for example, uh, keep your last uh, 14 days of, of, uh, of data uh, those objects, let's keep them in every worker node. And, and that's something that is very difficult to do on a manual basis and, and uh, keep up to date, uh, uh, you know, stitching all that together with a lot of scripts. So we think that a, a data uh, architect, data platform team, data engineers, they, 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 they get really excited about this kind of tooling. As you mentioned, the, the Hadoop ecosystem was pretty much, it was a very complicated system to run. Now we're making that much easier by uh, having this layer in between for the, the data platforms. Well, Stephen, this is a really good conversation. I think I actually do now have completed my journey to understanding Alexio. 
And I can't wait to uh, work with you in the future and, and, uh, and keep writing about this interesting technology. Thank you so much, Dan. And to the listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, again, Open Source Project, check us out at alexio.io. And uh, we hope to hear from you. And again, this is uh, the Early Adopter Research Podcast, Designing Enterprise Platforms, where we attempt to look at technology that would be interesting when you are creating a platform to create a large amount of value in your enterprise. So thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.